And so I get a call from my neighbor. Hey, one of your big lizards is in front of your house. I'm like, Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. We are back from the ground up. I always want to say a number, but we lost count a long time ago. And then we always talk about how we lost count. I know. We should stop doing that. <laughs> but um, we do, just like every week, we have some uh, shirts available, some animals available. If you guys want to check out portcitypythons.com, as well as we have links to the Amazon store. So all you do is follow the link, shop on Amazon like you usually do. And the money that gets kicked back comes to support the podcast. And is there really anything else you want to get out there besides the fact that... Uh, you have to acknowledge that we're in a new place. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wanted to acknowledge that. That's what I was going to say is that we're going to be with our guest for a little bit over an hour. And then uh, we're going to talk all about our... Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know we were talking just us for the second hour. I, I mean, we we have to at least mention some of the stuff. Okay. Because there's a whole debacle. Thanks, thanks for, the, for the heads up. I just thought we were ending you it. don't know, now you know. I thought we were only going to do an hour show today. Oh, okay. I figured. <laughs> you didn't hear me say, how am I going to sit in here for an hour? Yeah, I did, but I, I wasn't going to tell you two hours because I didn't. Wow. Okay. I'm hot. But well, now that I said it, now you have to do it. You see, even though it's hot in here, I'm going to sweat it out. Mike's in a 90 degree room. All right. Yeah. I'm like, sweating it out. I enjoy the heat though. I'm there you go. Okay. We're like cold blooded up in here. That's what I tell people. I'm cold blooded. Just like my animals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So today we have <laughs> clearly we have Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we have Mike Renault of ADD Reptiles. So Mike, could you give us a little intro, uh, kind of where you're from, where you are now, and what you work with? Yeah, so I was born and raised in California, um, literally at the hospital right down the street. So I didn't stray very far. Um, uh, I currently live in the suburb of West Hills. It's a nice, quiet little neighborhood. Um, Makes it uh, very easy keeping these animals because like right now I have my garage open and I don't have to worry about anybody snooping around or anything because pretty much the whole neighborhood knows me as the reptile guy. I uh, remove rattlesnakes and other animals as well from, you know, neighbors' houses and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. Uh, I've been here for two years now and ADD reptiles um, because basically... I mean, my wife came up with it. Uh, we just can't seem to settle on one species. We have kind of been able to limit it to mostly like Australian stuff, but uh, we have an eye for nice looking animals. So we have a little bit of everything and that's kind of what we're all about. So, And we, we typically have a bunch of people who are into Moralia and different Australian stuff on the show, but... Australia, you mean as a continent, whether it's lizards and snakes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mostly monitors and mostly python species. That's what we got. So what kind of monitors are you working with? And how do you keep them 
you know, in Southern California? So it hasn't been the easiest in uh, Southern California. Uh, usually it's about uh, 16 to 25% humidity. Uh, it makes things very challenging. Uh, people think I'm crazy for keeping some of my animals outdoors, but I have a pair of white throat monitors outside. I have a male and female Argus monitor outside. I uh, have a green iguana outside and a few other things out there. But for the most part, it's been pretty simple. Uh, you know, you learn pretty quickly that uh, if you cage them wrong, you know, they get out and all of a sudden your neighbors that were pretty cool with you having animals aren't really cool about, about it anymore when they have a giant lizard terrorizing the neighborhood. So, uh, definitely take precautions <laughs> but uh also have some indoor cages for uh the smaller guys and and uh yeah i mean it's pretty straightforward i've gotten it to the point where i actually developed my own um uh terrarium controller environmental controller so everything is on you know a timer a cycle i don't cycle anything turn off any lights it happens on its own um temperature is regulated on its own so it's gotten a lot easier than it has been in the past, definitely. And how do you deal with those humidity issues that you kind of touched on earlier? It's kind of one of those things where it's just an ongoing battle between the elements. <laughs> uh, I, for my indoor cages, installed uh, Mist King on pretty much all of the uh, cages that need humidity. It works out pretty good. Um, not so much with the cage designs that I have right now. Uh, I just recently started building my own, and all I've really known up until that point was melamine cages, and melamine is not very good for uh, moisture, so uh, a lot of them are bending and warping, but it still works. I'm going to have to figure something out later on, but uh, outdoors, completely, it's a totally different story, uh, especially with the heat right now in the summer. Anything, you water the grass, it'll operate within a good 10, 15 minutes. So during the winter, it was fine. What I figured out was I got a greenhouse tarp and covered my cages with that. It was all fine and dandy up until the sun comes out and the animal starts cooking in there. So it works during the night and that's pretty much it. So that was a short-lived experiment. But other than that, it's, you know, daily hosing of the cages and uh, it works okay. Now, making sure that they don't get out, do you have to like dig the fences down and stuff like that and make sure they yeah, can't I, dig out? It's been a bit of a learning experience. Uh, regretfully, I had I had a couple escapes when I still lived with my parents' house. Uh, luckily, I was able to get all those animals back. Um, but so learning from that, Argus monitors especially are just extremely intelligent. And I mean, they're motivation is to escape whatever enclosure they are in. It doesn't matter if they're in a, you know, 60 foot enclosure, they'll still be looking for a way out. Life so, goals is to get out. Yeah. It's keeping these things contained is just always a constant battle. I actually almost had my male Argus escape yesterday. Uh, so I temporarily fixed that. Uh, the chicken wire on the bottom doesn't really work too well with the larger species, especially ones that dig. So what I end up doing is just having to dig out a good amount of dirt and then uh, just pour in concrete. So oh, wow, that has that has kept them in place. I actually had my female white throat monitor escape um, 
think it was last year, actually last summer. And this tech crap always seems to happen whenever I'm out of town, which I was. Um, and so I got a call from my neighbor. Hey, one of your big lizards is in front of your house. I'm like, God damn it. What the hell? Um, uh, I think, uh, my roommate was just on his way home. And so luckily he was able to come, you know, pull her out of the bush somewhere. He found her behind the house and almost got bit in the process. But I soon after that is when I, uh, changed my keeping practices with having them outside. It only takes that one time for them to get out and then it's, yeah, you know, whole neighborhood is panicking and everything. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, those, uh, some of those larger monitors and those species aren't typically the most tame or, you know, it might be an exception to the rule that you have a tame individual. So gathering up a, a animal that escaped must be a total nightmare. Oh yeah, it is. Especially, I mean, some of the stuff that I keep is usually the more in, intelligent and the quicker stuff so you kind of have to really be on your game um i've had close calls where i had to literally just dive you know superman on top of an animal to keep him from escaping um but yeah needless to say uh it makes it exponentially more difficult if the animal is not tame which uh unfortunately in my case uh i have uh, a, a newborn son and a full-time job <laughs> And so for me, spending as much time with uh, my animals, taming them down, kind of became a little bit of uh, a tough thing for me to do at the moment. I am dealing with uh, a few select animals that are kind of getting to the point where it's like, okay, I got to start working with these guys a little bit more. There's only one uh, monitor, my croc monitor, um, I kept them before prior to getting to October. And so I'm just not really familiar with their, uh, their body postures and their movements. Whereas like, uh, my Argus monitor, I mean, I've been bit by that thing so many times when I first got it, it's not a fun bite. I've learned how to avoid it. And I can just, I can tell you immediately what the lizard is feeling and I'll know two seconds before, uh, how to react if it's going to, you know, flip back on me. And so I can usually predict that pretty well. So I'm pretty confident with that, but it's just a challenge with some of these uh, newer guys. So what are some things that you look for as far as even if it's just your, your Argus monitor, like what are the signs that, you know, they may dash or come around on you? So I don't know. It's, I like to think that it's kind of just not really like a bond between the animal. It's my sixth sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to think so. You know, I have some kind of superpower to where I can, to a certain extent, communicate with these animals. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it is always just about watching the animal and I mean, it's gotten to the point where I can look into an animal's eyes, uh, especially a monitor species. And I can tell, I mean, you can see the intelligence in the eyes. You can see that there's literally like a light bulb going off in its head that it's contemplating. And I mean, I've just learned the, you know, the postures, the body movements and, sometimes when they're bluffing other times when they mean business and you know they want you to go away or they will bite you so i guess it's kind of a you know learned thing but i do like to uh think that it's some kind of a superpower it makes me feel really <laughs> special so maybe after getting bit so many times it you're connected at this point <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i like to think so <laughs> so what okay. kind of 
precautions do you take like in the beginning as far as if you do try to tame an animal? So, I mean, I've always kind of gone with the approach of trying to be slow and gentle um, as opposed to the rough, you know, just grab it by the neck and, you know, wrangle it, hold it down and subdue the animal. I've always find that found that to be a little bit just more stressful than uh, productive. So I usually just slowly, you know, go for the animal. If it's a species I'm familiar with, usually um, I don't like to use gloves. Um, I have big sausage fingers, so it's really difficult to find a pair that actually fit me. That's easy to maneuver in. So uh, usually I'll kind of just maybe do one glove and then the other one loose so I can, you know, maneuver the animal a lot easier. But I like to just come in, you know, slowly and um, and just kind of get a feel for how the animal is doing in that moment and, uh, yeah, approach it accordingly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so now as far as all your monitors go and stuff like that, um, are you breeding them as well? No, I've actually had a, more of a, I guess you could call it a, a tragic story with my monitor breeding experience whereas like it seems like any snake i put together you know i pair together i it just kind of happens i literally don't have to do anything but with monitors it's a completely different ballpark uh, i've um i've worked with pairs of white throat monitors with uh um argus monitors uh some dwarf monitor species and even the dwarf monitor species i had very limited success with them it's problem with them is they just need such specific um, climates and environments. It's, you know, you got to have a wet season at this time of year. You got to have a really dry season at this time. It can't fall below this temperature. And um, it's kind of difficult finding a lot of this information too, especially with some of the rarer species. Sorry, there's a fly on my camera. Um, It's kind of hard finding information on some of this to begin with. Is that kind of the Indo stuff, like your tree monitors and stuff like that? Yeah, I, like, you know, I, I've tried, I have a pair of green tree monitors I've been trying to put together for years now, and the female is just not having it, not responsive, and um, the male is all for it. But um, I'm I'm never one that wants to force breeding, you know, if the animal's not having it. I mean, the first concern for me is uh, the safety of the animal, you know, I mean, uh, while breeding and selling animals, it's it's nice, you know, making some extra money here or there, but by no means for me is it, you know, about the money where it's, um, you know, I need to make money off these animals or uh, these have to go so I have more space. It's I would almost rather, you know, hang on to an animal when I do hatch it because it's kind of, you know, it's uh, for me anyway, it's more of like uh, I'm actually concerned with where the animal is going. You know, if this person's actually worthy of having this animal, it's, you know, after all the blood, sweat and tears uh, that went into breeding this thing. So. Mm -hmm. So do you think the lack of info on these monitors just because a lot of people aren't keeping them or not breeding? You know, like what? Why isn't there the info? It's a combination of that. And then I'm not going to lie. California is not ideal for stuff like that, especially just any human species in general. I mean. I know there's maybe less than a dozen people who even have success breeding iguanas down here just because it gets too cold, not enough humidity. So, and unless you do have these animals outdoors, it's very, very difficult to provide the proper uh, space. And then also just the, uh, 
guessing with the climate because as far as like my pythons, like my Wilma pythons, the blackheads, Burmese pythons, they kind of just cycle themselves because like if you see right now, I have half of everything in, or quarter of everything in the garage, uh, half of everything in this separate room right here, and then the rest is outside. But this pretty much cycles itself. And people always ask me, you know, how, what time of year do you start doing this with your snakes or that time? And I, it, for me, it's just really simple. I don't, I literally do nothing and they just kind of do it on their own. <laughs> so it works out with uh, my spurs, not so much. It's tough because especially for me, I take everything uh, with a grain of salt, especially um, information online. You know, it's uh, any, uh, jerk off can just go and you know put some information on you know a forum or whatever doesn't necessarily make it true or you know you know it, who knows who this person is so and if they I live somewhere totally different like i mean i like to i guess maybe to a certain extent you could call me a little bit old school i like to get all my information from books you know and that's also being a problem because there's not many you know articles and books about some of these species so that's mm. that's my challenge anyway. <laughs> now, when you've tried to breed the monitors, are you cohabbing or are you pairing together at certain times? Uh, with the monitors, uh, there's certain species that I will cohab, and that's probably where I might be going wrong with some of them because they're just kind of already used to each other. Where you know they'll attempt it the first few times, and then after that, it's like, okay, this thing is here every day. You know, fucking friend zone. Yeah, exactly. You get friend zone. You know, <laughs> if, if you, the monitor can't get it right the first time it's like okay you know get out of your amateur <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i have a few animals that i have tried putting together and they just outright hated each other like that's why uh, my male and female argus they're in separate cages because the female will kill the male <laughs> um mm. like i said before i mean i my first priority is obviously the safety of the animal and uh the female Argus that I'm talking about, she's kind of, uh, I guess, uh, has a soft, uh, have a, a soft spot in my heart for her because she's got nine lives, and I think she's used up about seven or eight of them. And she's been burned. She's almost froze to death. Um, she's fallen off her perch and broke a few bones. So at this point, I almost just feel it's it would be a little bit wow. unfair on my part to even try and breed her at this point. So. It's kind of just finding a balance, you know. And now with some of those more intelligent species, is there like a compatibility issue between the male and the female? Yeah, it can be. I mean, it's it's tough to say from my observations. Um, it seems like some of them definitely do enjoy the company of a significant other or what have you. Um, at least from using, by using each other as pillows. Um they don't really seem to work together too well on too many other things. I mean, food, you'll always have competition. You know, there's never going to be any sharing. It's never going to help the situation feeding uh, two monitors together. Um, but, yeah, I mean, compatibility definitely is a big thing. I mean, croc monitors uh, is a perfect example of an animal that don't pair very well. They're just, in general, a very uh, aggressive excuse me, uh, species. And so there's always just that uh, kind of aggression in the back of the head, whereas, you know, if they make one wrong move, it could result in a fight. So 
it's definitely a, a big challenge. Some do it better than others. Uh, yeah, I, unfortunately, I can't say I have had much luck with uh, breeding monitors. The only, uh, the closest one that I um, that I almost had was uh, Varanus primordius, which is an Australian species uh, dwarf monitor. It's uh, the second smallest species in the world. And I acquired a pair from a, a buddy that imported them. And there was only maybe like eight, eight pairs that um, were around in the U.S. And I didn't, from everybody else that I heard from anyway, nobody had any breeding success. They had, you know, uh, they got eggs, but they're all infertile. Uh, I got eggs. They were infertile as well. But then um, uh, finally, I noticed that she was extremely fat, but she was skin and bones at the same time. So she was, um, she was egg bound. Took her to the vet and uh, they were able to remove it safely, the eggs. And uh, vet said that she would breed again. And uh, this was actually during a reptile show in my lazy ass uh, due to negligence and just, uh, you know, setting up other animals and stuff. Put her back, you know, in the regular enclosure. Didn't bother to put her on paper towel or anything. And I tossed some crickets in there, came back like an hour later and she just disemboweled herself. Uh, got caught on like a stick or something. And so... You know, you uh, you learn from uh, stuff like this where you kind of catch yourself. It's like, okay, I've seen this somewhere before or I've seen like a similar situation where this hasn't ended well. So you kind of learn from that. But it's always, you know, I never claim to be an expert on any of this um, because I myself am still learning. And uh, I mean, that's my goal, too, is just to learn as much as I can about these animals and be able to provide the highest quality of care but i mean there's still things where i would have never believed that i would have encountered this situation and it still you know continues to shock me when i run into something ridiculous and i guess that's what keeps it fun you know if it was all success and everything was going fine and dandy and you know no hiccups i think it would get a little bit boring after a while actually so yeah it it's fun. like once you get used to stuff there's always something else that could go wrong Oh, yeah. And that's exactly how it is. I mean, it'll catch you completely off guard. Usually uh, there's at least once a year where I have one vet emergency. And I've kind of learned um, after the past few years where there's literally just I've noticed that there's one giant vet emergency at least once a year. And I've kind of learned to expect it. You never know when it's going to come. But uh, yeah, always got to be prepared for that You know, giant bill. Now, is it equally as hard to find vets who have experience with monitors as it is with for vets who have experience with snakes? You know what? I have to say I've been extremely fortunate because I hear horror stories with, you know, somebody will take a animal to a regular vet. They have no clue what to do or they inject it with that or they think it's this or misdiagnose it. Whereas I... I don't remember how I came across this guy, but um, so he's this uh, guy, uh, guy from Transylvania, very thick accent. Uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. Wasn't even confident if that was a real place or not. No, it's a real place. Yeah. This guy's a badass. Uh, thick accent. You can barely understand the guy. What um, is a Transylvanian accent? I'm sorry. I, I I'm East, I'm Eastern European myself, but I, I just can't replicate it. I, I, is it like Dracula? Does it sound like Dracula? You know what? 
without it's kind of like Dracula without the the whole blah 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 thing. But <laughs> it's uh yeah, I, I was very lucky. Attila Molnar, uh he's an awesome guy. Uh I've geez, I've known him for maybe almost ten years now. And he's saved I can't even count how many of my animals. Um and yeah, he's uh a, um he's a bird and reptile specialist, like he like really enjoys this stuff. Like he goes to like all the veterinary conferences and everything. Uh, he's got a pretty uh, respectable venomous collection. He just got his crocodilian license. Damn. And I think he, with venomous stuff, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, he's he's kind of a badass. But with, uh, <laughs> monitors, he still has me. He's like, all right, you know, hold the head. And, you know, even when I'm telling him, oh, that's fine. You know, you don't gotta worry about it. But um, yeah, so I've been very fortunate where. Um, uh, I got a guy who knows exactly what he's talking about, what he's doing, and um, yeah, I've got the utmost confidence in him that I can take an animal. He'll know exactly what to do, or at least be able to find out what uh, the issue is. So, so you're lucky. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the one thing that I don't have to worry about. The only thing that I do have to worry about is actually having the damn money, you know, to pay this guy, even though we've been friends for so long. <laughs> Doesn't make it any payment plan? Question mark? Yeah. Yeah, there's unfortunately not too many discounts to be had, but uh, but yeah, it's all good. Dang, that's something I guess you always have to worry about. And luckily, if you're imagine if you were in like a random North, Dakota, if you're in Missouri something. somewhere, yeah. you know, yeah, that's exactly what I hear too. Where you know you just can't find a good reptile vet out there, and it's a it's a shame that there isn't more. I guess. Uh, it's not more of a common thing for vets to have experience with uh, some of these animals. And even if they're certified, maybe they don't have passion in a particular place or exactly knowledge I mean, and experience. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I've heard, for example, you know, people taking a iguana to a vet or whatever, and it's sick and the vet will just tell them to put it down. You know, they won't even bother wow. to make effort or anything. So that's kind of the that leads into a separate subject, I guess. Just kind of um, people's attachments with reptiles, and you know, a lot of people just see them as uh, mindless uh, animals that are just there to you know eat and breed. And I just never understood uh, how people cannot have an interest in these animals, especially at least be able to appreciate the beauty of them. And just so. it's, I guess, unique for us to. It's one thing people usually put like get a ball python, put it in a tank and forget about it in the corner of their room. But there's some there's something different. It only clicks, I guess, with a certain amount of people that is like, yeah, uh, but also, I don't know. He's talked about beauty. And the thing is, I feel like with vets, it shouldn't even be that. Like, I don't expect you to think my dog or dog, my animal, sorry, any animal is like cute or cuddly or whatever. I don't expect you to. I don't think your opinion of it should matter. Like, well, no, I don't, you know what I mean? But there's certain, like there's good mechanics or bad mechanics. There's people who are good at their job, bad at their job. Like, but if you're the kind of person who is like, if I do my job, like I'm going to do it the best I can. Right. No matter what it is. Yeah. No matter what it is, like that's your duty. So you go 110% into it. Yeah. But not everyone's like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the sad part too. You know, you you see uh, people who are just completely okay with um, you know just doing the bare minimum, 
with their animals, you know, newspaper and uh, just, you know, plastic hides and all, and all this stuff, which I mean, it does work in certain circumstances and I'm by no means encouraging it, but it's just, you know, being, uh, being able to actually put the animal in a proper environment where they're actually displayed nicely for you, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, I utilize racks myself. I won't agree with them, um, using them for certain things like, uh, I've seen a trend with uh, beaded lizards lately. Uh, they are quite lazy animals, but I, I don't know. My, I guess, hell, maybe I'm just full of it. Like mine just, um, my beaded lizard, Jeffrey, kind of just sits around all day. And he'll kind of scratch at the glass at night so you can let him out. But um, yeah, the whole, the whole rack thing is, uh, I kind of like to display my animals. Like people ask, like, why do you have this giant enclosure for this, you know, red tail boa or whatever? And... I mean, if you have the means for it, it's, you know, why not? So some people just seem to be okay with doing the bare minimum where uh, I actually enjoy, you know, seeing these animals just constantly being able to evolve their uh, their care, I guess. Yeah, there's definitely a, you know, a high utility to using the racks and everything for a lot of species. And it definitely, I feel awkward. Why? Because we, I mean, Cause we, all we of our snakes of our are in racks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we also keep corn snakes. We don't keep like <laughs> giant fucking. And I wish, I wish I could put them all in three foot cages. But my snakes would just, I, I like to produce a lot of snakes and I would have to sell them for way more money than people would be willing to we buy. We also for. have to have like two homes. Yeah, yeah, there's also a space <laughs> issue. But I mean, that's actually probably. Thinking about it, that's my main reason why I have absolutely no space right now. <laughs> There's probably definitely a, a good number of animals I could get away with using racks for them. Um, but yeah, I'm actually just down to uh, two racks right now. Only one, which is full right now, which kind of gives me anxiety. Makes me want to go and fill the rest up. But So how many snakes do you have in total? Or reptiles in general? So I, I, I honestly I can't count. My wife did a count maybe two years ago. But um <laughs> That's a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean I usually tell people, I don't know, like probably like a hundred animals altogether. Then you know, then we have these two damn opossums that uh I've been uh bringing up to help. What? Four dogs, we got a cat, uh we got a child, which I guess you could consider That's a could, that's yeah, an animal. Yeah. <laughs> Consider him as an animal, especially the stage that he's in right now. But, Can we uh, talk about the possum? the possum? Yeah, let's back up. Are these like rescue? Yeah. yeah. Well, so I found, or my, one of my coworkers brought him in. Uh, the mom was dead. Um, it's a common occurrence out here in California, anyway. Will uh, where you'll be driving out on the road and you'll see a dead one, but it'll still be moving. And uh, it's usually the babies on the inside, so you can kind of just go, you know, pull over and pull the babies out. Um, no, so yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, they're uh, they're uh, very interesting animals. I'm not much of a mammal kind of guy. I mean, dogs, they have their moments, but I think that's the reason why I keep reptiles, just because, I don't know, the, the hair, like I get allergies and stuff, and uh, they, I don't know, they just, they the smell is a lot more difficult to get rid of, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess compared to um, all of my uh, reptile cages, the opossum cage is just, I mean, I walk in there and all I smell is opossum. Like, it's just 
this very strong ammonia urine smell. And it's like literally on a nightly basis that this gets clean and they're just such smelly animals. And um, I guess I kind of have uh, the same thing going with dogs as, as well, where uh, I don't know, for some reason, like reptile smell, at least to me, it's uh, a lot easier to deal with and a lot easier to clean, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, like you walk in immediately, you're like, oh, that's probably the olive python. Like, I know that. And you clean it, and then it's gone. You throw it out, and it's gone. I like, yeah, I like to play the uh, find that smell game where, you know, I'll, I'll come downstairs and just get punched in the face with, like, hurricane force winds of stink. And it's like, all right, well, here we go. You know, I mean, there's the usual suspects, but then you kind of just start going cage to cage, and it's like, all right, what the hell is dead or what the hell, you know, exploded on the cage wall. You know, it's it's a fun game to a it's, certain extent. <laughs> it's very interesting because, you know, we've been together over a year now, and I thought I knew what, like, bad snake shit smelled like. But then right before we moved, we like, the night of, we threw out all the bedding because obviously we didn't need to keep it in the car. And, of course, they all shit after we took the bedding out. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, bedding that I had no idea what bedding, like how intense bedding was. The smell <laughs> of all their shit and just empty tubs was awful. The whole apartment was just rancid. Like, yeah. So, I, they, yeah. Yeah, I guess after a while, you kind of just get an immunity to it. Um, I mean, I always laugh. Like with the schnoz, I could smell a fart before it comes out. But I think that I've kind of <laughs> lost my smell. Over the years, are just I've smelled so many foul things that I've kind of grown <laughs> immune to it. Uh, like uh, sometimes I actually have to enlist help of like one of my employees or whatever to, uh, hey, can you take a whiff of this? Like, is this infected or you know, it, are these rodents bad? Uh, and they usually uh, react to that with uh, some dry heaving sometimes. But um, yeah, it's I think I've just gotten used to it. Where I've actually even just the poop, you know, I mean. <laughs> I'd rather just get this over with. I'm not going to waste any time, you know, putting on gloves or anything. Plus, they're not environmentally friendly. I feel bad to throw them out, but um, so you oh, just yeah, free handle you free handle all that poop. Yeah, and unless it's like a juicy, fresh one, which in that case, sometimes I will still just you know sprinkle some bedding on top of it and pick it up that way. But I mean, I'll just at this point, you know, I don't care. I just want to get this done and over with. So I was shocked to um, have one of my uh, newer employees. She's like this. Uh, uh, like 20 year old like tiny little blonde girl who barely has any experience with reptiles and uh, she started begging me to please get gloves <laughs> and I just remembered a, a quote that I heard from uh, Ken Foos uh, one time I was at his shop in Las Vegas and um, I think I was just talking complaining to him how hard it was to find good help which it really is and yeah he told me the same thing he's like yeah you know you, you don't know the half of it I had this uh, one girl, you know, started working the other day. Uh, she asked me where the gloves were. And I told her, hey, little lady, you better have shit underneath your fingernails by the time you're done here working. And so I was just thinking about, like, man, uh, that was always wow. like a line that I wanted. But at the same time, it's... <laughs> That's a little harsh. <laughs> so it's... At a, at a certain point, though, it's like, you know come on, you know, screw the gloves. Or I had another person who would use uh, snake tongs to pick up snake poop and stuff. It's like, <laughs> you know, I'm, that's the one thing where if you did ask one of my employees, I'm sure that they would uh, complain about me just being super anal and particular about the, 
the um, spot cleaning that is done on a, a bi-weekly or twice a week where I'm just so picky. I mean, I want every little tiny urate, everything picked out. So I end up having to go back and do it most of the time. Yeah, barehanded, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if, if you have that little like wet piece of asp in there or something, who knows, it molds or like it, you'll smell it or... Yeah, that's why I take a paper towel, I take a half sheet to be environmentally conscious, and I scoop out everything a little, cor- you know, like yeah. go a little, you know, half inch past the urate and scoop. Yeah, I'm not very. But like, I feel that. the same way as where like, it would be very hard for me to trust someone to care as much as I do about the animals, you know, like and cleaning and everything like that. Really? Yeah. And I think that's just it too. Whereas, I mean, uh, us as reptile keepers, we tend to be a little bit weird to begin with. So, I mean, we already have these weird quirks and stuff. So I'm sure everybody has a very particular way of doing things where it's almost like a obsessive compulsive thing where it's like, no, you know, what the hell are you doing? You got to do this like in this order or, you know, do it this way, you know, or really picky with certain things like that. So I'm actually shocked I have any help at this point with, you know, some of the, <laughs> my, my crazy methods and whatnot. So how many employees do you have? So I have, uh, you know what? I mean, so I have uh, one uh, tailor who is, I think, usually twice a week. Wednesday, she can do on her own. Um, we randomly met her at the tavern down the street that we always go to. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out perfectly. Uh, only problem is, like I said, she's a skinny little, like, 95-pound girl, so she doesn't do too well with, like, uh, you know, like the nasty 11-foot olive pythons I have, the Argus monitor that will rip your fingers off if you don't know what you're doing. So there are limitations, but, um, you know, get around it. I'll take, you know, at this point, you kind of just have to settle. Not Sorry, Taylor, love you. <laughs> Not to say that I'm settling, but... Um, that's the thing though you gotta what do you have her sign like 10 waivers if she's messing with the monitors and all that you know what i probably uh from a business standpoint i probably (laughs) just to avoid any liabilities which i mean if you were to walk into this household as like an insurance agent they would probably just have a damn heart attack with all of the liability issues that i have in this place so is she responsible just for cleaning, for feeding, or kind of just whatever needs to be done at the time? Yeah, see, I, I try and, um, I try and you know, mix it up here, just teach them, you know. I, I also kind of just try and gauge their experience and uh, get a feel for what they're good at and actually get a feel for their interest in it, you know. It's really hard. It's easy to find employees that will just do the bare minimum, you know, just to get things done, just follow your instructions directly when – uh, to me, like what stands out is when it's kind of funny, I guess I'm quoting my mom here. She used to always tell me when I was a uh, teenager or whatever, um, why don't you ever take out the trash? Like, and uh, my excuse is always, oh, you know, I'm not paying attention to the trash. I got always other, I got other crap going on. And her thing was always, oh, I shouldn't have to ask you to, you know, take out this trash. You should just want to do it. And I guess that's kind of my uh, thing that I always wish where, you know, um, I guess, my help would go and just do something without me having to ask or they would see something and be like, Oh, you know, this bulb is out. I'll go replace it myself. Or, you know, uh, I've noticed that there's an easier way to uh, do this or feed this snake, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's the, it's the little things, you know? Yeah. Whereas I mean, I do the-, the same thing, even when Melissa does things and like, I just fail to communicate 
The, yeah, and I no, act like you're going to know. He expects me to read his freaking mind. Because <laughs> just like you said five minutes ago, y'all are super <laughs> particular about how things are done. So then no one wants to just try to do things on their own because you're so particular. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough balance. I guess. <laughs> I'm definitely a picky guy with how I like things done. But at the same time, I want, you know, I want them to be able to have their own ideas and be able to uh, do things the way that they enjoy as well. Where? What if they enjoy wearing gloves, picking up poop? I guess so. <laughs> Catch 22. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult uh, over here, at least, uh, surprisingly. I think uh, Los Angeles in general, there's just so much other crap you could be doing at yeah. any given time. So that's why, especially for like reptiles, you'd be shocked, but there's not, you know, enthusiasts are far in between especially the serious ones you know um but um but that's yeah, crazy because you're in california which is like well i feel like half of our guests have been from right, la to lately. us like <laughs> california is like the snake you know reptile like mecca and that's yeah no please don't come here we have enough damn people as it is <laughs> <laughs> you could definitely use more reptile people but yeah there's just too many damn people but uh yeah i mean i, I don't want to be that guy you know to say you know ruin anybody's hopes and dreams but it's not really <laughs> how they you know uh pace it out to be like on the you know interwebs where it's this glorious place it's not really that awesome it kind of sucks i actually wish i could um if i didn't already have a career here i'd probably move to either florida or arizona and i wouldn't be opposed to uh texas either so i could definitely see myself <sighs> in either of those places i prefer yeah. either of those places actually we really enjoyed living in Texas and keeping it in Texas. That is such a lie. Well, we enjoyed the reptile aspect <laughs> oh, of Texas. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, let's not get carried away. But um, yeah. we so, were just... Oh, oh, I had a question. What? Sorry, I wanted to know, so what point in your whole reptile career did you feel like you needed an employee? Like, when did it get to that point? Uh, well, I think... I realized that once we moved into our house, it was maybe like six months into living here where um, I had to build all new cages for animals. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I had to build outdoor cages, which I've never done in my life. And it just got to be a bit much where I started noticing like, holy crap, like Saturdays are my day that I spend literally the entire day, you know, cleaning, watering, uh, doing whatever extra projects, feeding. And I started noticing like, I can't, you know, I'm getting done. Like I'm barely finishing everything at like seven, eight o'clock at night. So it's like, okay, I think it's time to get a little bit of help because, you know, there was these side projects that were, you know, sitting waiting for, you know, months to get, uh, completed. And I was very lucky. I found, uh, uh, I think my first few employees were always the best and then, uh, they were kind of hard to replace and, um, also difficult to pay at the same time, you know, especially in California where we have that, uh, $15 minimum wage thing going God, pretty that soon. Sounds amazing. That sounds it, amazing to us. <laughs> it's, uh, Unless you have to, to pay me, someone. To me, it's like, you know, I, you start out with like, uh, you know, college kids or whatever where they don't even know what the minimum wage is so that's easier but uh then when you get more experienced people it's like okay you know i want more money or you know they're asking 14 15 bucks and it's like holy shit like i can't pay for this crap now and that's why i always did just part-time 
and um, it, it works for now. You know, sometimes I'll have to skip, you know, days or whatever, and I'll have to do it myself. But it's definitely a challenge, uh, challenge having to um, kind of just balance everything, you know, between the employees and what you're doing. It's uh, it's definitely not easy. <laughs> There's been a few times where I've uh, just wanted to say, screw it, you know, I'm selling everything, I'm tired of this crap, you know. Actually, once, you know, if you didn't have all the animals, um, what would you do? You know, like, what would you spend your Saturday doing? And I didn't have an answer for it. You know, I was like, I don't know what the hell I would do. Because I've just gotten into this kind of rhythm. And um, usually, unless I have like a severe hangover, I never fail to deliver. Like, I mean, I'll do what needs to be done until... You know, I'm finished with the task, but um, yeah, it does get a, you definitely have a few nervous breakdowns in between here and there, and it uh, makes you question, you know, if this is even really all that great of an idea with yeah, uh, that's like... all different species and everything. And this is, for me, this is a, a, a slimmed down collection where finally I'm able to at least right now start at like 8, uh, usually like 7.30, 8 a.m. and then get done around uh, 3.30, sometimes 5 in the afternoon, whereas before it was like 8, you know, p.m. The list. So, yeah, it's with a kid especially, that's what the – I think children is probably the biggest uh, – I don't think my wife can hear me, but I think uh, having a child is probably one of the biggest dream killers. Um, <laughs> well, that's and, a known fact. It's a known fact. Everyone that, knows that. That's just – being completely honest and not sugarcoating it a bit where, you know, oh, I, I wanted to uh, start breeding this animal or, you know, I had aspirations to do this. It's like as soon as you have a kid, it's just all of that just <laughs> completely disappears and becomes unfeasible. So, you know, you got to kind of prioritize that stuff. And, um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at right now anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why we don't have children. That's not why. Well, no, you just need security. (laughs) You just, if you have a child, you need security. And like, what do we, you know? We don't have children because we still go out and get drunk and want to be hungover and lazy the next day. That's like. And that's the, those are the questions that you want to ask yourself. So do you (laughs) enjoy partying and staying up late? Do you enjoy having extra money? Do you enjoy the uh, time to yourself? (laughs) because <laughs> all of those things just completely go away disappear. oh yeah yeah <laughs> and my only hope is to be able to eventually uh bring my son over to the dark side and you know <laughs> secretly bend his will into uh uh being able to do reptile chores and hopefully oh. enjoy himself so, so you'll want it, you don't, you're not gonna want him to want to take out the trash you're gonna want him to want to oh pick yeah no, yeah these are gonna be <laughs> Yeah, clean up the, you know, three-pound Burmese python crap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you mentioned we were talking before the show that he just went to his first reptile show. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. I didn't hear that. Uh, Not my first reptile show, but my uh, son's first reptile show. Yeah, your son's. And so, I mean, we go to all the shows normally. We've even been to a few of them successfully. Um and this was definitely different uh, with the whole stroller and, you know, diaper changing thing. I think he enjoyed himself. I don't know. I'm speaking for him, but he didn't have a good time. But, yeah, this kid is just batshit crazy right now. Just 
yelling, blabbing all the time, crawling all over the place. He does not sit still. I think he's definitely got the, the ADD mentality going. <laughs> um, yeah, Pomona Show, it's a great show. It's a great turnout. Um, I don't know what shows you guys have been to in the past, but we kind of, we've been spoiled because we've had, uh, we've had the means to be able to go to other shows uh, out of state. We've been to the Tinley Park show a few times. We've been to Daytona, which was by far my favorite show I've ever been to. Really? really? Better than Pomona. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, Daytona, it's literally, you you see the contrast. I mean, it's completely different worlds, whereas, uh, I mean, as far as uh, what animals you see, what's popular. And I think maybe that's why Florida is just so appealing to me is because uh, literally all of the animals they have, I want. <laughs> <laughs> well, all those, yeah, I mean, that's a big port. All the, and man. everything they have. They have everything there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, that was actually my most, uh, I think that was my most expensive year. Um, I had to really balance things out because it was the first time we went to Daytona. And then we came back and it was the Pomona show the week after. So oh, wow. I'm spent right now. I burned a hole in my wallet. <laughs> Yeah, so, so now did you did you what are you selling at the Pomona show and what did you pick up there? Uh, you know, so with the uh with the downsizing, um I used to have a respectable roach colony, uh several different species. Uh I couldn't get these things to stop breeding. I had to take the heat off of them and uh stop feeding them for a while because I couldn't keep up with them. But yeah, shockingly enough, I mean we have so I, we deal with some pretty unique and uh, expensive uh, animals, but the money makers have always been the roaches. And well, I also have my own. I'm proud to say, um, scientifically formulated roach chow that I created myself, and that alone was like more than half of our sales. So I, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> now everybody's going to try to get into the roach game, but. Uh, not a lot of people want to know about that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it it's uh it's uh the shows are fun you know it's kind of one of those things where you're just running around you know uh yelling uh, running around yelling at my wife and you know the employee to you know step it up and (laughs) a constant flow of uh, customers and stuff it's fun it's just man it's a lot of work prepping for it and um yeah, gathering up all the animals and stuff. But if you ever have a chance to vend a show, um, I would just say diversify, you know, bring some other stuff. You got to have your merchandise, too. Like, uh, I guess we were very lucky with our logo. I don't know why people seem to love it. I literally stole. I probably shouldn't say that either, but I stole <laughs> most of these images from just Google, the, the vectors and just photoshopped it myself. And um and that worked out. I mean, people buy the shirts. People seem to like the logo. So, <laughs> um, so do you just use your own car when you vend shows? Do you have a special little trick, like thing you do? What do you do? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I got my uh, Silverado. It's uh, awesome. I used to. We used to have to take both of our cars to fit everything in there. But uh, I haven't done a, a show since I got this new truck. But. Um, uh, yeah, it's a. It's definitely a lot easier being able to haul everything with this guy and it's uh i I don't know the shows are just uh something else (laughs) now i was wondering about that roach diet is it like commercially available like 
Why are you, you going back to this? Well, I <laughs> might as well, you know, get them to push plug. this product a little bit, you know? Well, so I used to, you know, like I said, I formulated this myself. I literally, like, my wife makes fun of me. Uh, she always tells people, you know, the customers or whatever, like, oh, we're, uh, where did this come from? She makes fun of me that I literally was like a mad scientist in the garage just, you know, doing experiments in my lab with this stuff. And for, it took like two months to formulate this stuff, which it did. But, um, I mean, I started out with like a small colony uh, the prior year and it just exploded after I started feeding them this stuff. And, you know, I have been thinking about um, starting it back up, um, especially now. Apparently, California, I got to look into this more, but I heard something about how um, in California or no, I think it's just the Lacey Act in general. They're putting some species of roaches on there. So... It's going to be like, you know, they're going to be like Bur or what Burmese pythons and retakes used to be. And so I guess now would be the time to uh, start that where um, I guess we kind of had shit luck because I sold off most of my colonies. <laughs> and then sure enough, you know, something like this happens where it's like, oh, shit, well, you know, we're going to have a high demand for this stuff soon. But I think so. hipsters eat bugs now, too. So you could probably say, hey, I mean, they're calling it. They're calling it the food of the future. It's at least Please I can stop. speak for um, my roaches. At least they're very high in protein. <laughs> I cut load them very well. Um, Y'all. So I mean, yeah. I wouldn't eat them personally, but you know, I, I would. Can't. If you're into that sort of thing, I guess it would definitely be a, a good choice. <laughs> so snakes. <laughs> well, you have a lot of snakes that we really, really like. Including... You have like our dream list a lot. Um, things yeah. we oh, yeah. probably never own. Well, hopefully, <laughs> but they're our wish list. You know, we talked about blackheads recently in a podcast. We talk about blackheads. But I want to talk podcast. about blackheads again because we love blackheads so much. So, where oh, are yeah. you at with blackheads? Kind of where you get them? What variety do you have as far as the eastern or the western? And uh, have you bred them? So, I guess this is the uh, the point where I'm going to be holding head down in shame. <laughs> uh so uh this kind of this kind of goes along the same lines with the Womas where it was just all too easy for me in breeding them. Uh I did nothing. I didn't have to cycle them. They my garage cycled them for me. They bred on their own. Um got I raised okay, so sorry, let me start over. I got my pair from uh, Jeff Nemanius um out of uh Gateway City Reptiles. I think that the Tinley Park show back in 2015 and just raised them up. They were about eight months old when I first got them. They eat, they eat like pigs. Um, and yeah, very food motivated. Um, if you fed them in the enclosure or tried to handle them without first, you know, getting them on tongs, you will get bitten wrapped. So crazy feeding response. Um, literally it was like two and a, two years, two and a half years later, after the fact, they started breeding for the first time, and I was just like crapping my pants with excitement. I mean, this was my dream species as well, like you just said. Um, and so I got six or seven eggs from them, perfect, just bulbous, you know, nice, healthy eggs. Um, crammed them. I was able to fit them in one of my uh, sim containers. I used the same exact method. Um, I used for my Woma pythons and in, uh, incubating them. And sure enough, um, 
it was back in like late May. I was off to a trade show for work or something, and I get a couple pictures from my one of my employees that you know blackheads are hatching, and I literally like almost broke down in tears, you know, like seeing this, and it's like, like I finally, you know, this was like the end goal, and like I saw it through, and um, uh, yeah, so I got home, and yeah, I mean these things were amazing, you know, and then the fun part really started when um, it came after their first shed and it was time to give them their first meal. <laughs> and that's kind of yeah, your hand as their first meal. Uh, no, actually I wish uh, it kind of <laughs> just went down the crapper at that oh, point. No. And that's kind of where all the hopes and dreams just went crashed into the mountain and, you know, went down in flames. Um, I ended up having to force feed them for three or four months uh, on a, twice a week basis. And I mean, I have pretty good information on these animals. You know, I have a, I have a bunch of friends that, uh, Aussie friends, actually, I got all this great info from They're a huge help. Um, I tried every single trick in the book. You just feed them snakes straight up at all or. I mean, you know, it's not like these are recently wild caught animals or they're, you know, recently, uh, the lineage is re uh, recently removed from the wild. It's not like that at all. You know, they've been captive born for a very long time now. And, you know, you look at the adults, it just blows my mind that, um, you know, the adults are voracious. They'll devour anything you give them. And the babies, it was just the complete opposite. And um, so uh, along those lines, too, um, I guess it's worth mentioning that, I mean, you know, I started posting this stuff on Instagram and social media and people were like, oh my God, I need one. I want one. And that's why I actually started taking deposits for them for when, you know, once they started eating and were healthy, you know, <laughs> I, I'd ship them out, you know. Right. And so I think I ended up having to refund something close to like five grand. Because <laughs> oh, you just couldn't get them eating. Yeah, it was definitely a little bit embarrassing. And then after a while, I said, screw it. I ended up, uh, I had... I had uh, like three three of them die on me eventually. Uh, I said, screw it. I sent them off to one of my friends. Uh, I think I just had to pay the shipping costs. So I was like, you know what? Just here, it's your problem now. Um, and I get a call from her later that night. Uh, she said, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, you know, they arrived, they arrived safely and everything. But uh, by the way, I just uh, I tried feeding them uh, rat tails and they all I took it dry. I was like, all right, well, fuck me, you know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it takes me uh, shipping them out to uh, New Mexico for them to get a feeding response. And, like, the the one, you know, method that I didn't end up trying was, I guess, the, the right one. But Damn. And since then, I did end up selling the pair because I uh, noticed that the female was for sure gravid already. And then I just started getting flashbacks and then thinking about how my God, she's a year older now. She might have more eggs. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna end up having to force feed twice as many of these damn things. So I just unloaded them, and that was my. Uh, that's my uh, tragic story of uh, black-headed pythons. Damn. <laughs> so now, one thing that remain that I've heard at least a lot from people who've bred Aspidites, whether it's Womas or the blackheads, is incubating the eggs. So yeah. how did you, you said sim containers, but how exactly did you incubate the eggs? Did you have any issues? Uh, see, you're, you're getting into, you're getting a top secret classified information here. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, shit. 
Um, I mean, so I started breeding Womas maybe six years ago, and it the first time uh, I was only able to hatch one, but my dumbass, I was impatient. I started cutting the eggs prior. Um, second time, same thing. I was only able to hatch one egg. Third time, all of them went bad uh, from a from a. I think this it was a, just a mold that grew on them. Fourth time, they all desiccated. All of them went dried out. And Jesus! Then, literally. So then the jeez, oh, it was like the fifth time uh, I randomly, miraculously just got a hundred percent hatch rate. And thanks to Sim Container. So thank you very much, John, for providing an uh, amazing product. But the main killer for Aspidite's eggs is humidity, moisture. Um, I have another friend that I just recently talked to who's selling his adult pair who tried to uh, hatch the eggs. And yeah, same thing. Kept them too wet. The second they get any kind of moisture on them, especially, they're just going to rot out. So... These aren't, you know, ball python eggs or colubrid eggs even where, you know, you do not want any condensation on the um, the the sides or the top of the container at all. Um, I've even had uh, Australian friends say that they literally do not use any medium. They just stick it in a box, put them in the incubator and let them incubate that way. Um, but um, I will say that... Uh, without giving up too many secrets. Um, Sim container, definitely use that. And do not have the substrate actually making contact with is it, the eggs. Is it suspended over water? Yeah. Yeah, suspension method is 110% the way to go. And, I mean, the mixing ratio, you literally you want to keep it very minimal with the, uh, the water. They do not need very much humidity at all do you feel like that's yeah. maybe the only time la works with you as far as humidity goes right. and maybe that's what i'm doing wrong i gotta get some more uh, arid species in here <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it has been the the animals that i have had the most success with have definitely been more arid species like also uh nefurus uh knobtail geckos i bred the crap out of them last year um what else um Blue tongue skinks, uh, Australian species, the northern ones, they're not really all that arid, but you know, those breed very easily for me out here. But I think that's what it boils down to is um, keeping uh, animals that are kind of similar and not really habitat, but just, uh, you know, as far as the temperature and uh, humidity goes, definitely a plus. Awesome. So it's almost time for you to meet with the in-laws and... To oh, end well. the show. Okay. <laughs> to well, to yeah. end the to end your portion of the show, um, kind of what do you look forward to in the future, or what do you want to get into in the future of ADD reptiles? Man, you know it's kind of tough because I've definitely been at the right now at the point where I've kind of uh, I guess not really hit rock bottom with like the failures, but um, kind of just had to rethink the strategy where okay so you know this isn't really working that's not working so okay how do we fix that or eliminate that you know so what i envision is hopefully being able to get a little bit more um um some more interested uh people to help me out 
as far as the reading, uh, the more advanced stuff goes. And kind of just being able to, I guess, replicate um, the animals' environments a little bit better. I think that's kind of what I'm going to be going for. I'm going to be trying to uh, bust my ass to get get probably most of the uh, larger lizards outside and see if that uh, entices some breeding and trying to work on the humidity issue as always. So it's always just a learning experience, you know. You uh, you know, you learn from your past uh, mistakes and you just uh, go forward. So mm-hmm. hopefully, um, hopefully we'll start doing some more shows too. Um, it's kind of difficult having the full-time job and a baby, but that's definitely something I'd like to do is uh, more shows because I definitely enjoy doing them and I enjoy going and seeing new places, you know, meeting new people. So that's awesome. uh, that's definitely our focus right now. Awesome, man. So I appreciate you being on the show and getting out all the information. And uh, it sucks that you have to go only an hour in, but we'll have to have you on again. Uh, I mean, I'm because... not really that interesting of a guy, but the animals that I have, I think definitely <laughs> are a lot more interesting than me. So, oh, well, no, we definitely have yeah. a lot more to ask you and want to talk. Our about. people want to hear all about olives too. Can uh, our people? Our people. <laughs> uh, but we always do a little last thing. Where, if someone wants to reach to you, reach out to you or talk to you, um, how should they find you? So. Uh, if I do not respond for a few days, I apologize. But um, so the best place to reach me is going to be on uh, Instagram. And just send me a private message. And I usually respond on there within a day. Um, Facebook Messenger, I usually don't pay attention to that too many, uh, too often. I also have uh, YouTube, which um, I guess that would be another goal of mine is to... Um, excuse me, um, be able to provide more content on there. I definitely would like to do a little bit more as far as uh, care videos go and, um, you know, being able to share these animals more with uh, the world. So that's where I can be contacted. And um, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this segment. And we need to see videos of like outdoor enclosures and stuff because I don't think enough people are doing that. I know. I know, and that's what I keep encouraging, too, because, I mean, it's awesome seeing them. You know, you, can't, you just can't replicate natural sunlight um, in, you know, in captivity if you're keeping them indoors. Um, and also just being able to see them, you know, outside just so much more majestic and actually seeing them trying to, you know, dig and, you know, work their enclosure is so much more rewarding. But um, I always try and encourage it. You know, there's a lot of people that think it's infeasible, but, you know, hell, I've been doing it for almost three years now, and I have had a few hiccups, but, you know, I think at this point I've had it. I've got it pretty much down. So, yeah, I think you know, it's whenever you guys want for. me back, you know. We do. If people, uh, find, my <laughs> if people find my mindless uh, chatter interesting, then, you know, have me back whenever. Well, that's our whole podcast is mindless, is mindless chatter. chatter. Um, okay, one last question for, for real. For real. Uh, what is your favorite pizza topping? You know what? I'll tell you what's not my favorite pizza topping. Pineapple is the worst. Yes, so, yes. The crowd rejoices at that. My pizza is going to be the uh, Mitsa pizza pizza 
from Numero Uno Tavern down the street. And if not that, then pepperoni and bacon, maybe jalapenos. Okay, right. I can respect meat. that. That's respectful. Meat, yeah. <laughs> I'm strictly, you know, I'm strictly meat eater. So that's my diet. Hell yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on. And I guess have fun at your dinner with your in-laws. I will do my best. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye. Later. All right, you guys. So I guess we should probably hit on the fact oh, that... I was going to wait till he was gone just to make sure. But okay. yeah. hit on the fact that what? We moved from Dallas to Philly. I mean, I was wondering how you were going to do this. We didn't kind of... We didn't have this conversation before of how oh, Evan likes pineapple. First of all, yeah, That's a... we I know that Evan's oh, strange. Yeah. Um, but he totally changed the subject. I was wondering how we were gonna do this. I thought we were gonna do it in the beginning, but I guess since he it was down or I can't talk. It's a fucking story though. Since I mean... he was, especially since he was only here for an hour, and because like we just met him, it's not like he was like someone you know as our friend who I'd want to take their time to explain our stuff. Um, but I guess, I don't know. Do our listeners care about our stuff? Do people want to hear our story? It has nothing to do with snakes. If you don't care about us, you can turn it off right you now. You can stop listening. <laughs> because for, I mean, I guess. It doesn't hurt my feelings. There's like, there's like our friends who care. I think like Evan and Gustavo and the people who are going to be Gustavo's listening after. not even listening. Wow. Um, well, we'll have a word with him later. But shoot, I lost my brain. <laughs> or maybe like Eric may be listening and he may be like, whatever happened to those people that moved into a random crack house? You, okay, well, that just revealed a lot. Okay, <laughs> tell the story, babe. Well, that was just a taste, I guess. Tell the story. Okay, so when did I leave? Was it Saturday night? Last Saturday. No. What's today? <laughs> I haven't said fuck your story. You left me. What's today? Today is Monday. We're doing the podcast. <laughs> okay, so not last Saturday. Two Saturdays ago. Uh-huh. Two? No, Sundays. Not two Sundays. Oh, shit. Oh, what do you mean? Like, back it up. Two, two Saturdays Feels like a year ago. ago two point. Saturdays ago, we started packing up our apartment in Dallas. Um, Needless to say, we thought it wouldn't be that hard, and we'd get to sleep, you know, about... Nine ten o'clock, and Joe's plan was to leave Dallas at 4 a.m. Probably 3 or 4. Right, your plan was was to do 4 a.m. and Because I don't want the snakes in the car at the hottest, because I want to leave Texas as soon as possible, because Texas is obviously very hot. But I thought it was also for you, so that you were getting sleepy in the sunniest part of the Right, so I wouldn't be tired during the night driving. Right, so... That was the plan. But every plan we have made in this move has not happened. Not one. So not one. We were packing on Saturday. We did not go to bed till 1.30 a.m. Because packing always takes longer than you think You always is. think you're done with the big stuff. And then there's just like, you know, a few things lying so around. so fudged with there's the There's so stuff. many little things. So, so, yeah. Didn't go to bed till 2 a.m. So obviously he wasn't going to wake up two hours later and drive 21 hours straight. Like that just wasn't possible. So I think he woke up about 6 a.m. So he still only got four hours of sleep and he packed up the snakes and he drove straight from Dallas to Philadelphia. 
because I have thing, the snake, so I want to go as fast as possible. The funny thing is, leading up to our move, you driving straight was this thing I was scared. The scariest part. Like, I thought that was going to be the worst. Like, you know, like, that was the scariest part. And I was like, as long as he gets there, like, we're fine. You know, like, that's all that matters. But positive he got to he got to philadelphia seemingly without a hitch he right well it was seemingly i mean it wasn't it was more than seemingly you drove you got here without a hitch okay so he gets to our place at like what 6 30 a.m 423 hoffman street if you're interested in a property stop he gets to our new place at like 7 7 a.m last monday well, do you want to tell this part? Or do you want me to tell this part? Well, I guess I was there. I feel like so. you're just going to get a little too flippant about it, A little it, too though. graphic. A little too intense. Okay, so, so I started moving in. Before and then go. Okay. okay. So I got to our street in South Philadelphia. Um, Born and raised on the playground. I was not on any playgrounds. <laughs> I was at our apartment, and I pull up, and there's a bunch of guys outside. One guy without a shirt on, clearly... I mean, if you've been around cities for enough time, you know what a crackhead looks like, right? Let's just let's. I let's can't say crackhead. PC. I don't know. There was clearly a drug some... addict. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Person who does narcotics almost Thank every you. day of their I like lives. That sentence. They are <laughs> I, nothing against them as humans. I'm sure they were great people, but they got addicted. Good. But they got addicted to crack. All right. And then they're living next to us. And it turns so, out, Joe calls me at 7 a.m. while I'm in. Alabama, I think at this point he's like, no, Melissa, like there's clearly drugs. Like there's five people outside. Like clearly they were smoking, no fear about drugs. So my first thought, because I'm just this little, I don't know. I'm a city girl, but New Orleans city girl, which is different. I'm like, call you the were cops. like the ritzy part of New okay, Orleans. Okay, whatever. City my girl, immediate thought was like, real. call the cops. Just call the cops. Like the cops will. And I was in like, my head, uh... I'm like, cops will solve everything, right? Like, and I was like, white guy moves in, cops show up. Like, not a good look. But how I'm in my head, I'm like, how else are you going to solve the problem other than the cops? Just call the cops. <laughs> so you you listen to me and you call the cops and the cops do nothing. Because it's Philly. If no one dies, they don't care. And if and 50 percent of murders are even unsolved in Philly, they don't care about half of the murders, let alone this crack house that's next to us. Right. <laughs> Just because they're unsolved doesn't mean they don't care. <laughs> they barely. Let's be honest. They so they try their best, but their best. The cops is came to our next door neighbor's house and just talked to them and left. Like basically, like, "Hey, sweetie, how are you doing? Like, how's your crack high going? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I hope you're in a good place right now." And they left. <laughs> so um, Joe obviously had to take a nap because he just drove, you know, two hours or two hours. Excuse By me, the way, this two hours. this nap was like. Two to three hours because there were crackheads fighting About over drugs. bags um, right next to us. And you can hear through the walls. I mean, it's a row home, which means that there's houses oh. on both sides of you. Right. And even though these people are outside their house, you could hear them in our place, like 100%. So I'm in the car. He's calling me. All. I'm freaking out on the way to Philly, like literally dying. I don't know what to do. I'm not there. I can't help him. I'm freaking out. I literally throw up in the car ride because it just gave me so much anxiety. Um, so then he he wakes up from his nap. He said people are fighting about drugs outside. He saw a 12-year-old kid walking with 
a bag of marijuana. Also, <laughs> I like how you said it like that. Well, I'm thinking a as, bag of as we're de- as we're describing this, I'm thinking I don't know, kids maybe. And listening. And I, I, I mean, feel whatever. Bad for any kids who are listening to this podcast right now, but kids don't do drugs. Yeah, but it's like whatever. If an adult chooses to smoke weed, right? That's cool. But like this kid was very young, very in the open. It's like as young as my niece, who is like. You know, yeah. not even thinking about that. That's not even in her brain space, you know, to do that. So I, there were just a lot of red flags in the place. So, And it just it wasn't like a little bit. We noticed that people from across the street from our place were coming and giving money to this guy. And down the, like it was a whole block. The whole block was in on this crazy Whatever crack operation. So there's this guy who I like to call affectionately Big Daddy. He is like a 6'4", 300-pound black man who sits outside with a towel on his head. And um, he makes this guy who I call Crazy Eddie sweep the floor. Crazy Eddie has a boil with blood and pus coming out of his neck. And he's clearly a crackhead, but he has him like sweep the floor and take care of the neighborhood and like run errands for him. Like he's his little employee. And um, then there's a guy down the street who like randomly gives Big Daddy money. And um, it's just the whole block is involved in this weird crack operation. And we are right next to the crack operation. Right. So, I mean, I'm no, I'm a wuss. You are not next to (laughs) it. No, I'm a wuss. And I know that Joe is not a wuss. Like, for the fact of him to be like kind of freaking out, I knew it was like, okay. Like- because Big Daddy started asking me, he started probing into questions about my life. And I was being obviously very, very, no detail in it. I was being very, very vague because I knew like, okay, you're either going to rob me or you just want to know if I'm cool or like, right. I'm not sure. But they also kept making comments about like the inside of our house, like things. He's that like, they- oh, you have a finished basement. And I wanted to be like, how the fuck do you know we have a finished like, basement? Right. Weird little comments about the inside of our house. Like, I feel like so you've been, you've been there. in our house before. <laughs> like what's going on? All these kind of weird things to the point where Joe was like, we can't live here. Like period point blank. Like there's no living here. You're like, I I was planning to walk to work. Like that's not going to happen. We would have had to walk our dog, like all this kind of stuff. So Joe's like, we can't live here. And I knew we also, I knew Joe was saying that, that like it was real because he's not a West like me. So I'm in the car still in Alabama or wherever the hell I was freaking out about what do we do? Like we signed a lease. We've paid over $5,000 to this place. Like what the heck do we do? Like, is it really that bad? 5,000. You're upping that a lot. It's about three to four. Okay. About three to four. Sorry. Which is um, still way too so much for a, a crack house. But yeah. Um, but also we know nothing about this, you know? And I, I knew that South Philly was spotty, but a realtor was, she was reassuring that we were okay. Yeah. Um, and it's the thing, like, if this had been down the street or around the corner, I think we would have done it. But just the fact that it was literally next door to our place. And I can and, hear them. Right. And that inside, you get no escape. You literally hear them. You said one time they were, like, fighting over a lighter. One time they are fighting. And he said, Joe said he would walk down the sidewalk and just see dime bags all over the sidewalk like these people had no fear they didn't it was just the norm there and i'm sorry i can't do that 
No, and we looked up the crime stats a little before, and it was like a rape, and we were like, "That's probably statutory, right? That's we probably like that's probably like a twenty-year-old, you know, saw. with an eight with a seventeen-year-old or something." No, that was a that was real deal, I think. Yeah. And then after we called the cops, Joe was so nervous that because I was like, knew. "It's we so know, obvious." I just we moved know in. snitches so get fucked. stitches. We know that, but um, I didn't have another idea uh-huh. of what to do. Um, so basically, it was I was on the way to Philly. I obviously wasn't going to come anymore. I was pulling a trailer with all our stuff. Like there you were was, pulling a twelve foot trailer with my little Kia with a Kia Sportage, it's not little a mid sized Kia Sportage, and a yeah twelve foot. It's trailer. not meant to. That was already scared because I was I was told by two different people that my car was not supposed to be pulling a trailer this big, and we had all it's of our life's true. possessions in it, and. It I could only drive 60 miles an hour with this trailer, so it took me a trip that should have been 22 hours. It took me 36 hours to get to Philadelphia. Spread out, obviously. But, okay, back to the story. I obviously <laughs> couldn't come to Philly because we just decided, like, there's no living here. And even his brother who was in town, who's lived in some really, really, really sketchy. Like my brother teaching, like, the South Bronx and the shittiest neighborhoods and stuff like that. He's like, I've never seen something that shitty. That's crazy. And like and, and the house was nice. That's the weird thing. Nice but weird. So nice enough. Right. In our house, there was a door hanging off its hinges with a big crack that just the realty people had no interest in fixing. There's a huge hole in our wall. The chandelier thing was held up by a uh like one of those gas station uh what do you call those clips? No, it's a it's a uh it's like a yeah, but it's not the ones that are actually meant for climbing. Oh, it's the it's ones the that are meant for your keychain. Gotcha. Yeah, just held up like that way. Just there was no it. It was all just bad. So I didn't come to Philly. I spent like five days calling everyone in the world to try to help us find a place and move in. And yes, after five days, we ended up actually finding a place. Um, I came to Philly. Two days ago on Saturday. I drove up to Philly on Saturday. Joe spent five days here in I Philly. I mostly himself. was at my aunt's house who lives just over the bridge he in Jersey. Even, he wasn't he didn't even we didn't he did not spend one night in that old place because it was that craziness. Like there was just people out there constantly. Um but yeah, we found a new place. We we're gonna be broke for the rest of our lives from yeah. all of the money we've had to spend to find a new place. But <laughs> this is it, guys. It's our a internet much goes better out. neighborhood. <laughs> it's really nice so if anyone lives in philly we live in roxborough you can come say hi yeah um <laughs> but we did not live there we previously. don't live at the scary place joe yeah. even tried to scare you know joe, your dad tried to scare them and say we had venomous snakes and they just asked if they could buy <laughs> Dude, they just wanted guy, to buy them they weren't this even guy a uh, crazy eddie he was looking in the car at the snakes, and my dad told him he was venomous. They were venomous, and he's like, "Can I buy one?" And he was smoking a blunt in your car, like 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 looking you. into my car right next to my window, just smoking a blunt and looking at him. And I was I like started the car and drove off. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" They had like, no what fear. Are you doing? I mean, they were they didn't care. There's like, there's no laws in South Philly. Just at let least it be not known. on Hoffman Street. Yeah, um, and then once I got here. Uh, Joe's like, I gotta take you by the place. I didn't. We drove by. I didn't even see any crackheads. But the street alone, the street is like the width of like a bike lane. <laughs> like the street is so skinny and just clearly like sketchy and weird. Um, it's just all. It was all so bad. But 
We're in a new place. The snakes have their own room. Well, I guess they had a room in Dallas. A room and a half. It's not supposed to have a room and a half. Don't tell Melissa. It was an agreed upon room, and I'm real pissed that they have a room and a half. See, guys, you know, you can't keep Australian stuff with North American stuff. That's just fact. It's bad keeping if you do so. So, you know, we have a room and a half. You kept them in the same room before, but not ambient. No, we it's kept not. them with tape, yeah. heat tape. But now we're doing ambient. Um, So we lost our finished basement, but we gained another room. And we're in a much safer neighborhood. I might still die in the winter because the hills are no joke here. And I don't know how to drive in snow, especially not on a hill. But, oh, and then fun fact, there was a terrible storm last night and our power went out (laughs) because our luck sucks. Oh, also my car's fucked up. Oh, yeah, your car's fucked up. I fucked up my car. And that's in the shop now, you know, because you're not supposed to tell a trailer what the key is sported. Evan, Evan has a good point. He said, if the snakes bring in money, they deserve an extra room. They're paying rent. Well, they're paying their own room's rent. If their rent was like $400 a month. <laughs> they are not know? even paying their own room's rent. I don't know. What Listen, have some fucking respect for our roommates. Our snake roommates. <laughs> I'm hoping... They will bring in more rent because, like I said, hey guys, there's snakes broke. available. <laughs> Should we start a Patreon? Should we yeah. do those people? Because we're gonna. Hey be guys, so broke. we're not that great at selling our snakes. So we're gonna. If you could give us five dollars a month to um, make to to make videos like occasionally, once you start giving us money, we'll probably stop. But you know, whatever. No, no, we never make a Patreon. But <laughs> yeah, so those like trips we talked about coming back to Dallas soon. Probably not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> We're not gonna be taking any trips. I'm more worried about food. So, yeah, you know, whatever. Going back to the good old college. So basically, we wasted days. a lot of money. Yes. Um, um, do you want to talk about the snake aspect of it all? Yeah, I, I mean, pee. fuck it, right? Um, so throughout the whole thing, like all of our snakes were fine, but through putting them in different tubs and shit, we did have. What? I had to rebuy stuff. So as far as the snakes go, um, Melissa had all the racks, all the tubs, everything. I mean, I had what I transported the snakes in. So I had some tubs for some of the snakes as well as some deli cups. Some um, We have these kind of... T- to go food containers that we put some of the adults in that were big enough to uh, make, you know, make room for the adult colubrids and stuff like that. So once I realized, oh, Melissa's going to stay at her parents for however long it takes us to get a place, I said, fuck, man, in the time that we are here, I need something to put the snakes in. So I, unfortunately, I had to go buy a bunch of tubs. I kind of had to make do with what we had. I keep, I had to keep everything ambient. I figured that's my only way since I don't have racks with heat tape. It's not preferred, but it was the only way that I can make do at this point. So I just bought tubs, kept everything at 80 degrees, gave them water. Like, dude, it took me like two to three days to get everything sorted out that I could give everyone water. And listen, snakes without water for two to three days is most likely fine because you think about at a show, usually your snakes don't have water and that stuff. And they're usually good, but I took them out and like I was holding since I 
since I only had little deli cups, I didn't have water bowls to put in there. So I was literally picking up every snake, putting them in the water and holding them in my hand while they drank. Oh my God, I did not know you were doing So that. I did that for about a hundred snakes. That's why it took you so long. That's why it took me so long. Um, some of them I could figure out water bowls to put in there. I bought bigger tubs eventually to put water bowls in there. But yeah, man, I like hand... I don't even know how to Hand. say that. I want to say fed, but I don't know how but to say drink. Water. That doesn't make any sense. But Hand liquidized. I don't know. That sounds that's weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to But yeah, I held them all and basically put their head to the water. They started drinking and... Wow. Yeah. So um, that was my life. Yeah. So you had to rebuy everything just because I had it. But like, it didn't make sense for me to come to Philly because there was no place for anything to go. So, I mean, everything seems perfectly fine now. And um, a lot of our babies have fed and everything. And um, we did have two escape Mm. and two I have not found, which sucks. But, I mean, um, it's something that, you know, I thought I should have gone the extra mile to, like, tape them all down or something, even when they were in the apartment or put something heavy on top. But... It was something that was secured tight, I thought, and just I fucked up. And that's my fault. Um, That's the one thing when a lot of people hit me up saying like, oh, my snake escaped. The first thing you need to know is what mistake you made, because it's not the snake that escaped. It's you who let the snake escape, no matter what, no matter what, because you're the human in this fucking situation, right? Snakes are always going to try to escape. So if you allow it the room to escape, Which is easy because snakes are very good at escaping, right? Right. But still, you take responsibility for that snake escaping. And that is 100% my fault. And I felt like complete shit about it. I still feel like complete shit about it. Um, And I really love the snakes. And And hopefully I can go back to Hoffman and try to find them. But it's harder when you're not living at the place. And I looked fucking everywhere for the two days. Like two days, I went through everything everywhere but it's an old house with crevices and cracks and and it's crazy because nothing's in there ac and i taped off the ac everything is in you know all that's in there is like so it's like where does it go so right where could it have gone which probably makes it even harder to be honest because it needs to resort to going through vents and stuff like that because there's no furniture there's no furniture to find a dark warm spot and just I don't know. I'm still as sad as it is trying to think in the grand thing, grand scheme of things. We have over what 150 babies or not babies over 150 snakes. And we only lost two. Um, I guess we should say we lost the male hog nose and one of our what ultra male tessera yearlings. Dude, ultra male tessera motley, probably it like one of my favorite looking it was snakes. Gorgeous. And um, and it's one of those that that we had for like a year and a half, and we saw it grow from a baby and all that. That's the worst when you it it's a holdback that you personally picked out because it's so fucking amazing. And I took all this time to raise it up, and all I had to do was put some fucking tape over a tub or something, and it wouldn't have happened, right? Like like all that work, all that time, all that effort. Just for me to not put tape on something like 
fuck how fucking easy is it but to put tape but it, i mean the there's a there's a there's a million yeah. things going on in my mind right so i understand why i did it but never again am i going to do that because it's not worth the year and a half that we put into the snake just the uh i don't want to say connection because that's fucking weird but like but you know i fucking love that snake that and it's a female it a and fucking project for it an ultra motley tessera that was just Gorgeous. fucking beautiful um Go ahead. And then the little butthead pognos. Yeah, that thing was an asshole. But yeah, and then that makes my my hognose head snow because they were both head snow. That makes my female not usable. And quite frankly, I'll probably get her feeding and sell her because what does that project matter anymore without the male? I mean, and either that or we buy another hognose. But we. I don't have very good success with the hognose anyway. I know, that's the thing. It's like, do you buy something? And the thing is that someone's going to say, I'm going to sell it as an adult female, and it had slugs the first time. So someone's going to say, you know, how do I know that it doesn't have slugs every single time? How do I know, you know, it's well, not technically it proven. Someone, or you sell it to someone who's not but like breed. Uh, the, yeah, but the thing that's fucked up is that the only reason why it would be valuable is because people want to breed. And... um so people are going to say, like, how do I know the female isn't the reason why it produced slugs? And I'm pretty confident that it was the male because the male was The small, male just has so many-ish, so many weird things. And the male was yeah. a little, yeah, was a little quirky. And it's like, so the female is not going to get the money it deserves. And it's not going to be worth, I'm just going to end up with another probably adult female snake, just like all the fucking no, other it, ones. I mean, man. if we're not going to sell it, it makes sense to buy another male and hopefully we can... I don't know. But buy I would have a, to if buy, we a buy a snow male, male. We'd want a bigger male. How much? Well, I would have to buy a snow male because why uh, not just increase our odds? Because how much are at, at the time when I bought a head snow, they were more expensive. How so. much are snow males? I have no idea. I don't pay attention to the hog nose uh, market. Yeah. So, but it wouldn't be worth it for me to sell her. I think just because no one would be willing to take a female that's sort of proven. You know. Uh, is that your dad or no? No, I think that that's my brother? brother. What twenty-five more snakes are coming Saturday? Okay, Jim yeah, Pan? yeah. So my brother just said, "Does Melissa know twenty-five more snakes are coming Saturday?" Because my dad's going to give us his collection because he can't keep them anymore. But wait, 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 wait. Let's back it up. Wait, 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 wait. I thought we are selling your yeah, dad's yeah. snakes. Well, are they staying here till we're selling them? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Just learning so many new things on this podcast. So happy right now, guys. I'm so happy. <laughs> so my dad has a bunch of ball pythons and stuff like that. So we are acquiring his collection so that we can sell them for him. And No um, one made that clear to me. I thought we were selling them and he they were staying there until we sold them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, no, because it doesn't make any sense because we have to do, I have to do all the work to take pictures and sell them and do We can that, do so. the pictures of one weekend and they can still stay there. Yeah. Where the hell are we going to put them? In this room? So we're going to have two full snake rooms. Well, no, because they're going to go in that room. If you haven't seen that room, it's not full at all. Oh, um, it feels full. No, that's only because I put stuff in the middle. I got to put a bunch of tubs downstairs. Otherwise, man, I put most of the snakes in the closet, that little closet there. And so I have two racks on the outside of the closet, a little bin with all of my snake supplies in it, and then all the adults and stuff, and the babies are all on the top rack of the closet in there. And the closet, it's open swing door. It's like swung open doors, so it's basically just an extension of the room. 
and it you know everything fit in there perfectly and um, so we're gonna have to deal with picky ball by ball python eaters no yeah i hate ball pythons but hopefully we sell them quickly yeah so hey guys you want ball pythons hey you got some ball pythons oh gustavo's here nice of you to show up sir uh tony said we messaged you earlier without the mattress in the wall that is true <laughs> listen we tried to get a blank there's a blank wall over there but the rack needed to fit over there so we i wanted to have like a professional blank wall that we put stuff on but i mean that's just not how we roll is it i no, guess we gotta this apparently we gotta move wall. originally the snake picture was in the shop but i guess we gotta move it down if we're gonna it angle it down i yeah. see fine wall behind it yeah um it's better than the mattress <laughs> Shut up. I love it. All right. Evan said he needs a pied male, which I can't do for you. Think he's joking? No, no. He has a uh, het pied female, I oh, believe. I forgot that. All right. Now everyone's messing with us. Well, if you know anyone who wants ball pythons, which is like 85% of the snake world. Oh, um, and Brandon asked about the pine snakes. Oh so now God. we can moving, talk about pine snakes. Moving the pine snakes. Just trying to get them in the pillowcases, they freaked out like never. Before. Well, let me let me put a little sprinkle on top of the whole moving thing. Ida also, my brother came, and he had my parents' dog, and because my parents were on vacation, and then my brother had to go on vacation and left my parents' dog with me, and my parents' dog is like a fifteen pound little rat looking bichon, whatever the hell you call it, something French and fluffy. And um, she she went up to one of the tubs, and then I just hear ah, and a big like hit on the tub. What? Then she just jumped back, and the pine snake like struck at her. It was amazing. Good. It she spilled deserves, its water, and I needed to redo the whole that. thing, which kind of so sucked. Annoying. But uh, but yeah, Brandon, the pine snakes are doing great, and now I guess I could talk more about it. Um, we have. 2.1 Louisiana pines, which are the rare snakes in North America. If you guys aren't down with the, uh, so wait, what? I was to ask you a secret question, but they can well, in Texas, legally, in Texas, they were captive bred. So I just didn't want to put it out there because I didn't want to have to prove that they were legal. captively bred. We but they are legal because they were native to Texas, a small part of Texas, but they were all captively bred by a guy here in Pennsylvania named Jay Jacoby. Well, and another one was bred by um, guy at Sawfish Reptiles. So basically, um, everything's kosher these days. Yeah, but, but now, but now, Let's Louisiana pines are federally listed, so they cannot move across straight uh, state lines. So if I breed Louisiana pines and you want them, then you're going to have to move to Pennsylvania. And that's just how it goes because um, for some reason, I don't know why it works that way. I wish there was a better system. Um, I'm not sure if you can permit them like indigos because I thought that black pines, you couldn't permit them. But um, I don't even know if people care enough to permit Louisiana pines, but um, me and Jay Jacobo, Jay Jacoby are probably the only ones with Louisiana pines in Pennsylvania, and we're probably the only ones who want Louisiana pines in Pennsylvania. So, I don't. Want so them. I don't think. So I don't think either of us will really breed them as much anymore. I'll probably talk to him and see what he's doing with his to see, you know, what kind of plan I want to make with with mine. But I have this one girl who's dude. She is yellow and red, and you're gonna say bullshit, but. 
you know, within the realm of Louisiana pines, she is very yellow and very red. And I fucking love them. And uh, that's really it. So, tough nuggies if you don't like them. Moving, trying to get them in those pillowcases was like, oh, plus, I've never been that. Yeah, he got they've, they've never bit me before. They're mostly all bark and no bite. This motherfucker got me right on the knuckle. It's been taking like so long to heal. You probably can't see no, it. Don't even but, try uh, to do that. <laughs> it's when when they get you like right there, and it's, you bend your finger all day, and then it just it never. Yeah. Heals. Well, the thing also is you're still trying to move shit and lift shit with the finger that just got bit. I mean, their bites aren't aren't that uh, aren't that easy. Yeah. So. So yes, but we are in a place. This is our lives. We are not guys. unpacked yet. And and plus, we didn't like abandon the podcast because we were gone for a little while. Yeah, I barely or abandoned life in general. I barely wanted to do it today. I was just like, I'm glad that Mike was talkative and cool and yeah, like, I liked him. Yeah, no, it was it made it easy I'm for sad us. He was only here for an hour because I feel like we barely talked about. We snakes. could we could very easily do two hours with him. Yeah, um, I don't know how he sits in ninety degree garage. <laughs> yeah, so Melissa's been complaining about the fact that it's about eighty degrees in here, but. uh uh, Mike was in his monitor room and his garage was like 90 degrees. So um, earlier, I think you missed it, but Brandon asked you if you did the all, if you, what's the word you gave water to the all Python by hand too. Oh no, that was in a big enough tub for me to put a water bowl in. So, um, I mean, my, my olive is very chill, so I could do whatever with my olive, but um, it just happened to, work out for me as far as the the bigger snakes were in mostly 32 quart tubs so it's what i put my adult colubras in but um most of my morelli and stuff like that are in 41 quart sterlites and my olives what like two and a half three years old and fits pretty easily in a 41 quart and so yeah they were all in tubs those ones were big enough to put like deli cups in and give them water and everything and everything was good to go but even you had like the permanent water bowls and stuff like that. Like because I had everything. The, the Morelia and stuff like that will just knock over those deli cups. Like the Calubrids, I all I use all deli cups for because they're not knocking over shit. They're little guys and they'll yeah. they're kind of like you know, they just flimsy things. But the yeah. big snakes. But, but the I mean, big snakes knock I them over and I had to change the water python and everything. Morelia. Like we were expecting you to get here on Monday. And I was supposed to get here on Tuesday. Like, it, it was supposed to work flawlessly. It's a train wreck, really. And you it know. was just the biggest train wreck. Very like, flawed, but, I mean, we got away with it. I mean. I messaged so many away. people, like, hey, can I come tour this place and move in tomorrow? Like, like Dude, how did we, how did we get a place to where I toured it? And then I'm like, um, he's like, what? We're thinking of like September 1st. I'm like, how does tomorrow sound? And he's like, okay, let's get all this done. It was a Friday afternoon. We signed the lease where we applied. We signed the lease. We moved in. And we moved in. We, well, we paid the security, we paid the, the rent, and we moved in the next fucking day. Yeah. So there you go. When no, Evan, you can't have the conjure because it's finally, it finally has come around. I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, but, it was looking like shit. It was um, 
I think our cage was too big. We had a big like three by three by four cage or something like that. And it's just way too big for our little Chondra. So but we now he's put doing it so much better. Yeah, yeah. We put it in a tub and we put like three perches on it and we're keeping it ambient for now. So we're going to see how that works out. And dude, it looks so much better. Just good. Yeah. Yippee. Yippee. Life is going so well. No one died. I was kind of nervous the dog was going to die. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dixie uh, almost didn't make it, too. Yeah. Our dog does not like 36 hours total in a car. Dixie sleeps all day. And it's, she's... It's, she's the opposite person. Person. Opposite dog in a car. She's the laziest dog in normal life. And in a car, she does not sit down. She does not stop panting. Like, I think I put this in the little chat earlier. I gave Dixie four Benadryl and four calming tablet, calming pills things, and they did nothing. Now, one Benadryl fucks me up, and I'm asleep for eight <laughs> hours. Same with, like, Benadryl knocks me out. Just one. And I gave her four. Plus, yeah. and it did not, like, literally nothing. Dixie's body does not give a fuck about anything. That's just fact. And she so, ate she ate 17 donuts one day. Yeah. So basically, like, I feel like I can never put her in a car again. Cause no, because she was just freaking so out, standing up and drooling all over. So we need to bring her to the vet or the clinic. <laughs> but yeah. So. Hey, how's everyone else's life going? Everyone yeah. else's life uh, going with your snakes. Um, they easy. also just said September 22nd is the next White Plains. So I want to go. We'll go. Yeah. We'll see Dan, I guess. Will Dan be there? Um, Dan said he'll be there, and Darren Watson said he'll be there. And Sweet. also Darren Watson said to reach out to him about the ball pythons. He might be interested oh. in some. What? Do a little short tidbit. Trust me, we could we could work out. My dad has cool stuff. Do a little short tidbit about what Morse your dad has, by the way. Um, so he has some Ultramel stuff. If anything I'm keeping, it would be Ultramel stuff. We're Other not, than no, that. No, 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 no. We're not keeping any ball <laughs> So he has some Ultramels. What I'm keeping is a Sumatran short tail that he has. Yes. We're that is that like And we're keeping score. his corns. But, okay, I'm telling score, you, for the people that might want to buy ball, ball pythons, say, you have Ultramels, what else does he have? Um, he has a lot of shit that's really bright yellow and black. Wow, that's um, not helpful. Well, I don't know for sure. I'm not that well, I'm decently good at knowing what's in snakes, but he has some cool, like, um, I think he has like a lesser het red exanthic that I really like. He has yellow belly enchi faders and stuff like that, and uh, black, black pastel yellow belly stuff, and some ivories. He just hashed out some ivories. Um, These are all for sale. Ivories, black pastels, black pastel pastels. What are those called? Those are called something. But and yeah, he has some cool stuff. I'll I'll put them all up, and um, I'll probably start posting them on Instagram, even though people probably won't won't like them. But uh, Brandon said Cypress question mark. I don't know what that means. Cypress is meaning... that a ball python morph? I don't know oh, Cypress is a ball python morph. But it's also a bedding, I guess you put things on. But Cypress is a morph, and I don't know what the hell it means or is, but I think it's expensive. My dad's stuff is usually um, within like the $200, $250 range, at least when we bought it, because we're not like balling like ball, ball python, python people. Prices change, I feel like, so much. Like, yeah, so what was $300 last year is like $1 today. We'll probably so. reach out to Chris Cersei and be like, what do we sell these for? 
Like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, there's some cool stuff, and uh, it's hard because you know I'm way not in that market, not in that market at all. Um, yeah, but and it's very crowded market, there's especially if you're selling like pastel something or another. Doesn't you know? everyone have pastel? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we'll figure it out. I'm sure we will. Um, I'm sure. Will work out okay. Yeah, that's a cool ball python. That's the you cypress. can't just say that people. Okay, so Brandon in the chat and YouTube just sent a link to the cypress. I don't know if your dad has anything like that. But. No, but the kind of the lesser het red exanthic has a look like that. Look like that. But people don't care about the look; they only care about the genes. Because that's, that's how you make pythons. money. Yeah, Python. because it doesn't matter how they look like; it matters how exclusive the gene is. But that's starting to change. But still, is and I how mean, older must your dad's ball pythons? Dude, there's adult females ready. To, like, there's lesser pastel blah blah blahs that are adult females that and didn't produce he just this breed year. something this year? Yeah. Which ones did he breed? Um, and she that Enchi yellow belly fader I think is an adult female, okay. which is pretty dope. Um, so yeah, adult females, especially if it's two or three genes, are still very, very valuable, at least to most people. But now everyone only works with recessive genes. So when we first got them, codoms were still cool, or what they call codoms mm -hmm. with the really incomplete, incomplete dominance. And um, so we have a bunch of that stuff. So we don't have any clown fucking puzzle. Puzzle. Fucking dildo head for whatever things but wow very what? you just got a little i can't say dildo. No. that's such a weird word right it's not a bad word oh my god it? don't say it again change the subject please <laughs> trying to keep it at least a little bit bj13 uh, uh dude dildo is totally like 16 okay good lord but yeah there's a ball pilot we'll get into it we're just rambling now at this point i gotta pee so bad gonna be honest well we can end this you want to finish it out um oh brandon asked if we scheduled no we, we should both been here let's just end it before you go pee okay okay, okay. um we did not schedule <laughs> nick mutton yet we still we try i'll we, i'll bug him about it i guess we got so much shit going on other brandon yeah. like we can't we're we're booked up for a bit but once we get going again, once we get everything settled once out with the house and everything. in here. Like, yeah, like this it. looks put together in the room because I fucking hung up a picture and stuff. But, but if you turned it around anywhere, like the <laughs> But if you went downstairs, all of our stuff is everywhere. Yeah. Wait, sorry. Someone asked, is short tail a blood Sumatran? It's a Sumatran, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what I have is a Sumatran. And so those are the what was once called black bloods, but we like to call them Sumatran short tails. So, yeah. And I'm going to keep that. Um, Are you going to keep that in the ambient room? Well, I'm going to talk to Matt about it. Because we don't have another spot. In From what I've heard, I can do that. Um, I don't know. I'll talk to Matt Minotola of Philly Herp. And he does Borneos and short tails and stuff like that. So, I will ask him what my best course of action will be. And yes, Brandon, Sumatrans are Python Curtis. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening to the first half with Mike Renault. Renault. Shoot, I already wow. forgot. Renault. And thank you for listening to our venting about how crappy our week has been. Or we may have to drink more.
I don't know. We almost drank a whole six pack. Um, but now all shows will be in Philly. We're gonna go oh. back to our normal time. I know this week is um a little off, but just because Mike needs everything's it earlier. a little off. Everything's yeah. a little off, but we'll go back to our normal times next week. This will be our new snake room. No more mattress behind. Well, no, this is our new podcast. Sorry, our new podcast room and half snake room. There's room. only a rack. Two. That's, yeah, but they they fit together. Yeah. Okay. This is supposed to be our guest bedroom, so no one can come visit. Get us, the fuck please. out of here. We don't need no guests. <sighs> God, God, I can't. I can't. You can sleep um, on the couch, you okay, dirty animals. If you, yeah, we don't have a couch. That's so true. We, we don't, don't have a couch, couch yet. That's another thing, I guess. Um, if you want to find us, obviously at Port City Pythons on Instagram, Port City Pythons on Facebook. We still have lots of corn snakes for sale on portcitypythons.com, as well as t-shirts and all that other fun stuff. Um, we're hoping to catch shows in the area, in the Philly area. If you live in Philly, by any way, like we'd love to meet up with you and like meet snake people in this area and do fun stuff. Um, next week, I don't even know who's on, but I wouldn't tell you anyway. Tell you anyway. Um, thanks so much, guys, and <sighs> we will see you next Monday. Later, Anything Gators. Else? No, I think that's it. We did it. We did it first new podcast oh, gosh, in the totally new now. room. 